Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Proverbs, and uh, afterwards, we would, I want us to have a full house, invite your friends. We're going to send the flyers out very early, and I'm excited that he would be with us. Amen. All right, let's pray. Let's get into the word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together, faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. We are looking at wisdom for living, and um, this morning I want to share thoughts, and I'm trusting the Lord. It's quite an extensive thought, but I'm trusting the Lord to share a few things with you, and I'm hoping that I can build on this as a book later on in the year. And um, there is an understanding of favor that I feel has to be, not that I feel, that I know from God's word has to be corrected in the body of Christ. And um, the concept is the fact that we feel that favor comes on someone who is just waiting. And our understanding of favor because most times when we hear testimonies, the testimonies are usually not very complete. You know, and uh, because we don't hear the complete version, we feel that uh, there are things God does quickly and things God does very fast. And so it becomes very difficult to get Christians sometimes to be hardworking. Because of a misunderstanding of the concept of hard work. And teaching the concept of favor that actually is not biblical. It fits our soul, but that's not what the scripture teaches. Um, so, I'll give you two very quick examples before I get into the scripture. Uh, we talk about that Esther found favor and she became the queen. But the fact that Esther found favor and became the queen did not remove the fact that Esther went through the process that everybody went through. She went through the selection process. She went uh, in the house of the eunuch for those couple of months. She went through the process. And then we talk about Joseph. And, and, and we forget that even though Joseph became a prime minister, Joseph served in Potiphar's house and served very well. And also served in prison and served very well until he became a prime minister. So understand that favor does not remove process. Favor does not remove process. Our concept of favor is the concept of corruption that we have in the country. And, and you've got to understand this. That the, the biblical concept of favor is not the concept of corruption that is in our nation. Which means that if I am the, 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 the chief or the officer in charge of this company and I have my brother from the village who is not qualified, but because I am the one in charge, I can make him the MD because he is from my side. That is, that is what we call favor. But in, in scripture terms, that is corruption. It is sin. I know your brother helped you, but it is sin. Because what your brother has just done is to be unfair and unjust. God is a just God, so he doesn't promote the unqualified. I will repeat that again. God is a just God. So he does not promote the unqualified. Where does favor come in? Two examples. The two examples I used again. Favor came into the life of Esther because by nature, Esther ought not to be queen. But she passed through the process. Joseph, it's like 
somebody from another country becoming a prime minister in Nigeria. It, it shouldn't happen by constitution. But by qualification, he was qualified. But by constitution, it shouldn't happen. So the favor of God came, are you following this now? To impact on that constitution, but not the qualification. Because if Joseph had not had what, it, what he has in the natural to lead Egypt, he would not have been promoted. So as you pray for favor this year, don't escape the process. And let your concept of favor not be what you watch from Nigeria film or, I mean, that's, not, that's, not, that's, that's Upper Williams type of favor. That's not the one the Bible teaches. Are we clear on that? Do we understand that? Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. And I dare you to go through your Bible and read every place where people found favor. Just before they found favor, you find the process. Just before they find favor, you would find something that tells you of the process. Even though David was anointed as king, David was not just sitting in the house and then somebody just came and picked him and said, come and be king. No. What was the process of him becoming king? Look for a man who is skillful in playing the harp. Are you following this? Come on, are you still here? So that is what took him first to serve Saul. Skillful in playing the harp. It doesn't matter what prophecies you heard. December 31st going into January 1st. If you don't build qualification, there will only be prophecies. Are you following this now? Proverbs chapter 10 verse 4. So this morning we're talking about diligent hands versus negligent hands. Proverbs 10 4. It says, Poor is he who works with a negligent hand. That word negligent, some translation uses the word slothful. Older translation uses the word lax, L-A-X. That's very old English. But it's the word slothful. Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. I want you to look at that scripture carefully and you would see a couple of things. Number one, it talks about two states of people here. The first state is the poor state. And then the rich state. So some are poor, some are rich. The second thing you identify in this uh, passage of scripture is that both of them have work. So it's not that the poor man does not have work. He has. He has. And I would explain the two types of poverty here for you. He has work. But then he works with a negligent hand. Why the one who becomes rich works with a diligent hand? So the two states here of poverty and wealth, ultimately it's their approach and perspective to work that determine how they end up. Their approach to work is how they end up. Like I said, the word negligent is the word slothful. So if you read the Kingdom's Version, you will see the word slothful. Now, it appears five times. Uh, four times in the book of Proverbs and one time in the book of Jeremiah. So I'll just read that for you. Where that word appears, negligent. Proverbs 10.4. You can put that up quickly. Uh, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 12, 24. The hand of the diligent we rule, but the slack, that word slack there is negligence. But the slack hand will be put to forced labor. Proverbs 12, 27. Whoever is slothful, Proverbs 12, 27. Whoever is slothful, uses the word lazy, does not roast his prey, 
But the precious possession of a man is diligence. And I explained this, I think, two years ago about not roasting your prey. It's like you go to the, to the, to the, to the, uh, to the farm and you hunt a rabbit and then you don't roast it. You have the rabbit, but if you don't roast it, if you don't, if you don't process it, you don't have value from, for it. It's like us having oils and refinery are not working. So we, 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 we get our oil, we send it out, people help us to refine it, and we buy it at a higher cost. It's negligence, it's laziness, it's slothfulness. So we have the commodity, but it's not processed. Alright? Then the next verse, Proverbs nineteen fifteen. Slothfulness cast into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Laziness cast into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. One of the characteristics of poor people is that they sleep a lot. They sleep a lot. They are the first to say, doctor says you need eight hours. And if they sleep six and a half hours, they'll calculate it. I am owing one and a half. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's one of the signs of poor people. They sleep a lot. That's why sometimes when you bring people from the village to come and stay with you and there's nothing occupying them, they will just sleep. Even as you are talking to them, they are sleeping. Idleness. You see, you must learn to separate sleeping purposefully from sleeping because you're lazy. Praise the name of the Lord. Alright. Jeremiah 48 verse 10. Very interesting. Jeremiah chapter 48 verse 10. It says, Cursed is he who does the work of the Lord with slothfulness or with slackness. Jeremiah 48 10. And cursed is the one who keeps back his sword from bloodshed. So the work of the Lord must be done diligently. Praise God. The work of God must be done diligently. Now, let's go to diligence. Diligence. We've looked at scriptures. Uh, if you look at Jeremiah 48, it says, be the one who does the Lord's work negligently. That means God doesn't want you to even do his work negligently. Right? Now, let's go to diligence. The word diligent, actually, in the Hebrew, uh, speaks of something that is sharp, a sharp instrument. Something that is sharp. Now, there are several scriptures where that word diligent came up. I'll go quickly because of our time. Proverbs 10, 4. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 12, 24. The hand of the diligent will rule, will come into leadership, will excel. Why the slothful will be put to forced labor? Proverbs 12, 27. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. Proverbs 13, 4. It says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Hmm? Some, you know, most lazy people have very big dreams. Their dreams are very big. You have never started a business in your life. Somebody calls you that how much do you want to start business? You can manage two million. Very, very big dreams. The soul of the sluggard, he craves. Hmm? Proverbs 21.5 The plans of the diligence lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Let's look at the meaning of these two words. The word negligence in the, in the, in the dictionary means to habitually neglect your duties or responsibility. But these are the two things I want you to pay attention to. Number one, lacking attention. To be negligent means to lack attention. Not to put attention to it. To lack care, to lack concern, or failing to do the required thing. You fail to do the required thing. Or you are inattentive or nonchalant. These characteristics should not define how you approach your work. The first thing I'd like to tell you, and, and I think I've mentioned it before several times in this, in this place, is 
Work is not a curse. And something you have to renew your mind about, and I'll talk about that as we go on, but just in case I don't get there, your primary purpose of working is not because of money. You see, when Adam was in the garden, God put him in the garden to till the garden, to cultivate the garden, to work the garden, and God did not promise him salary. So even if man had not sinned, we will all still have been working. Are you following what I'm saying? There was no labor union in the garden where Adam was saying, sir, the way this garden is looking now, you know how things are. No. So even without, <laughs> without man sinning, work was part of the creation of God because work is the one way by which you reflect the glory of God. Change your mind. You see, there is a mindset we have about work in our culture that is very bad. We feel that work is punishment. So we don't even mind having a job and selling our job rights. Hmm? I said, hmm? <laughs> selling our job rights and sitting at home and just watching TV. And when they ask you, say, oh, somebody's working my slots and is paying me. And people are praying to be like you. Because our mindset is if we don't go to work, then we are enjoying life. So, so the concept we have is work is punishment. We shouldn't go to work. Just sit at home, watch TV, people working for you, crossing your leg, you know, just reading newspaper. I say, hey, that is life. Even Adam was not reading newspaper in the garden. You have to renew your mind. Because a large part of your life will be spent working. So the earlier you renew your mind, the better. If no, Mondays will be dreadful for you. You can see how people's status come alive on Friday. Thank God it's Friday. This is my mood. And they'll put all kinds of dance steps on Friday. Just happy. Just, just. <laughs> Alright. But do you pay attention to your work? Are you indifferent? What is the quality of work that you put out? You see, to be negligent is just to put a word that's like, we can manage this. How do you work? And the Bible says, if you are negligent, you will become poor. Prayer and fasting does not cure negligence. Let's look at diligence. The word diligent means someone who works hard in a careful and thorough way. Those are the two words I want you to know. Careful and thorough way. You see, what I want you to leave this meeting with this morning is to decide for the rest of your life that you would walk in a careful and thorough way. Listen to me. Every work reflects who you are. That work you have done haphazardly reflects who you are. Are you following this? It reflects your person. You are into fashion. Your lines are not streets. You, you say you learned carpentry. It's the person who called you for a job that is telling you what to do. You know, Jesus, after theologically, when you read Bible history, it's called that Joseph died. Um, Jesus had to do carpentry for a while because in the Jewish culture, the, the sons were always trained in the line of their father. If Jesus had done a very bad chair, I'm sure in one of the days he entered the synagogue, somebody would have said, Rabbi, Rabbi, the chair? <laughs> Are you following this? I'm not sure he had that. If you, I've always told you this. If you complain so much about the work you're doing, why don't you resign? Since the work is that bad, 
And let me tell you, if you're a member of this church, don't join people who complain about their work. Don't, don't do that. Are you following what I'm saying? If you, if you feel that the work is not good, resign. There will, be no, there will not be anything to complain about. And you find out that there is no job people are not complaining about. Even the president of the country is complaining about you people. <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying? There is no work. That's, that job you're thinking, I think my mic is too high. It's, it's restraining the way I talk. Take it down a little bit. That, that, <laughs> that job, thank you, that job you are complaining about, there is someone there in that company still complaining. Are you still here? Praise God. So carrying out and preserving, I'm uh, sorry, carrying Carrying out your job in a careful and persevering way. You persevere. Putting painstaking effort. Steady effort. In fact, the, the word diligence is from the original uh, French word which means value. So it's like you approach the work with value. There's value in this work that I'm doing. And, and, and I told you here, you know, because people began to just primarily work for money. That's why you find people in schools teaching who have no business teaching. They don't like children. They don't like children. How can a professor intentionally tell someone who is in his class, you cannot have an A? How do you do that? Imagine going to school. And, the, the, you know, they tell you, this is a professor of this, this is, you hold that man in high esteem. You are inspired by that man. And the first thing, he walks into a class and says, go and ask of me. Nobody has an A in this class. That's the first word you hear walking into the campus. That man should never be given an opportunity to speak into people's life. But we do what we do for money. You shouldn't be in class if you don't like children. And we have people using uh, teaching as a stepping stone for a brighter future. That's how they are stepping on the children's head to get a brighter future. They say, whether you pass or not, they will pay me. That's your business. And you're a Christian. When you come to church on Sunday, you lift your hands. I surrender all to you. Why don't you surrender that hatred for kids to God and let God turn that around? Or you, you were a carpenter. Your mind was you would be a medical doctor. But something happened to your father. Now we are all paying, even though we didn't know what killed your father. We are all paying the price for your father's death. I'm not supposed to be here. If not that, my father died. And everything you do, even the wood, is feeling your hatred when you hit the wood. There is nothing like enjoying what you do. It, there is life infused into it. There is extra intelligence infused into it. Let me tell you, when you do what you do, it's like the Holy Spirit gives you ideas on how things can become better. Are you still here? Make up your mind this year. You're going to change your attitude to work. Change your attitude to work. Be diligent in your work. What does diligence mean? You're paying attention to details. You are careful. You are doing the work in a painstaking manner. You are persevering to get the best out of the work. You are persevering to get the best out of the work. You're not just trying to get by. You're not just trying to finish quickly. Have you ever asked your kids to sweep the house? Huh? How many of you have asked your kids to sweep the house? And after they have swept the house, you now discover a gold mine of sand. Hmm? They'll just clean where you can see. If your kids sweep the house, all you need to do is to just move one chair from one place. You'll discover oil well of sand. Heaps. Why? That's negligence. That's not diligence. 
And when we look at our kids and we talk about them, what approach do we use to our work? If they would look at your work diligently, will they find something that you haven't done properly? Three mindsets you need to embrace. Mindset shifts. You need to embrace. Thank you, Lord. Mindset shift. Are you, are you here? Come on. I said, are you here? All right. It's very quiet this morning. Number one, your view of your work. How do you see your job? How do you see your job? How do you see your job? Your view. You've got to change that. Number one, work is not a curse. And work is not just designed to give you money or to make you rich. It's not a curse. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, praise God. Genesis 2, 15. It tells us, the Lord God took the man, Adam, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, and put him in the garden of Eden. What was Adam supposed to do in the garden? To cultivate it and to do what? To keep it. First assignment, get to work on the garden. Work is not a curse. Work is not a curse. So you have to renew your mind. On Monday, I'm not going into a cursed place. Work is not a curse. You know, and if you have the right approach to work, you know, sometimes I can understand it. Sometimes it looks like we're underpaid, we're undervalued and everything. But the truth of the matter is that if you walk as unto the Lord, God has several ways to recompense you. And a believer must walk that way. Don't try to extract. That's why we justify stealing in this part of the world. Hmm? And as a Christian, that should not be found. I really want to share some scriptures today. Let's go ahead quickly. Number two, your approach to work. Change your approach to work. And if you're already diligent, improve your diligence. Change your approach to work. Change your view of work and change your approach. And let me tell you, even if you're not working for someone, if you're working for yourself, be diligent. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Even for yourself. Dress well to your working place. Don't leave your nice clothes at home for funerals. Let people see you at your workplace and know that you mean business and you value the place. Get to work early. Get to work early. Put in the shifts. Number three, understand that work is how you also release the glory of God. When God created the earth, heavens and the earth, in Genesis chapter 1, He said He saw all that He had created and He called it good. Your work is a reflection of who you are and how you also do what? Release the glory of God. How you release the glory of God. Your work bears your image. And so you've got to be diligent. Praise God. Got to be diligent. Take everything you do properly. Don't be an electrical person. You connect wires and it's a death trap. You're, you're working electrical stuff. There are insulating tapes you should have. You don't have them. You now tie the thing with, 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 with nylon back. I say, don't worry. Just manage it like that. And you're a Christian. In fact, while you were telling it, you were speaking in tongues. Didn't the Holy Spirit tell you that what you're doing is not correct? Don't be that way. Praise the name of the Lord. Don't be that way. You see, let me tell you. Let everything you do bear an image of you that if you are not there and they say, who did this? And they mention your name. Let your boss not be surprised. Say, okay, for him, I know he will do a good job. 
Leave those complainers and grumblers association alone. Get to work. You must find fault with everything. The truth of the matter is, even the money you are asking for that they should pay you more money, if they pay you more money, it will not bring excellence into your life. You would only have more money, but your work will not improve. People don't just become better by any more. Look at our nation. With how much money we have, how better are we? Even if they make you, see, as we are here now, they just decide, you just get a miracle later, because you know that's what we want. So as you're on your phone, they say you have been promoted. You are now the manager of XYZ. You will be earning 3 million per year. Say, I receive, I receive. What, do, does that 3 million automatically improve your brain? It wouldn't. In fact, the next thing you'll be thinking of is how to go on vacation and spend that money. You might not think of buying a book. You might not think of enrolling a course. Because what God has done for you, what can you add to it? So don't ever have the mind that more money will make you more better. No. Money will never improve you. Rather, as you improve, you would attract more money. So, one of the things I want you to see, we've done, we're done with the three mind, uh, mind, mind shifts I need to have. One of the things I want you to see is that this scripture, Proverbs chapter 10, tells us that how you approach your work will determine if you become rich or poor. So, I want to define that now. Uh, first of all, work has financial uh, remuneration or financial value. So, if you work in a negligent way, you will not be paid well. If you work properly, you will be paid well. That's the truth. Scripture says, says that a man diligent again, again, in his business, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I didn't hear you. He will do what? Stand before who? Kings. And not what? Mere men. We're going we're to give you a scriptural backing for that quickly. He will stand before kings. What does a man need to do to stand before kings? Diligent. That's all. To stand before kings, be diligent. It's not a fasting issue. It's not a seed sowing issue. It's not an all night issue. It's not coconut oil issue. Neither is it a laying on of hands issue. If you like, go to mountains in Yoruba land or go to caves in the north. After the dry fasting, you can now resume diligence. Because the language that kings respect is diligence. And so, if you, if you, if you are with mere men, the challenge there is that mere men don't have resources to pay you. Kings will pay you differently. Are you, are you following this? So, your diligence will actually determine if you would have more money in this life. That's the truth. You know, we, we, we have a culture where money comes into people's lives that are not hardworking. And unconsciously, that has so impacted on our mindset that we think that's how life is. So, you can see somebody who just, from nowhere, just becomes rich, starts spraying money, starts doing stuff. And then we all just pray, God that did your own, we do my own. It, we make life look very mysterious as if God is just sitting on the throne, just looking around today and say, who are we going to bless? Say, hey, you, it's your turn. And then from nowhere, money just pours into your life. And then all of us are waiting for our turn. It, it, it's, it's a very, I don't know what it is, but it's, and, and unconsciously we even push this from the pulpits. So even though we have that been, been, been out there in the world, Unconsciously from the pulpit, we don't even preach hard work enough. Because we have all these fanciful phrases we throw out all the time. Jehovah sharp sharp, Jehovah, you know, Jehovah, what's that? Jehovah overdue, 
Jehovah, the speedometer. We've got all these things that unconsciously, names that God never referred to himself. And unconsciously, we sing these things all the time. We say it all the time. And it deadens our consciousness to hard work. And I tell pastors all the time, young pastors that look up to me for mentorship, full-time is not laziness. The, the people who you pastor should know that you're putting in the shifts. Are you following this? So, go and renew your goal. One of the things that should be your goal this year is you will work harder. It's not your soft year. So I just want life to be soft. Forget it. It's value that you bring into the space. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's value that you bring into the space. Now, another, another thing about wealth, when it says the hardworking, uh, the diligent man will be rich, is increased opportunities. And you need to pay attention to that. See, when your work is good, you have more opportunities. You have more referrals. So prosperity is not just in monetary terms. Prosperity is in referrals. And the more referrals you have, what happens? The more resources come. But if your work is not good, you don't have referrals. So poverty is this. See poverty as decreased opportunities. And see prosperity as what? Increased what? Opportunities. Are we, are we together? Prosperity is what? Increased opportunities and referrals. Poverty is what? Decreased opportunity and what? Referrals. You sew a shirt for someone. We don't know whether it's blouse. We don't know whether it's booba. You Every shirt you sew, you have to come and write a manual of description. Because it's not clear. One hand is longer than the other. I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know what I remember sometimes, you know, your wife is standing in front of the mirror and is helping you. He's asking you to come and help look whether the shirt is straight. You know, if they're asking somebody to come and check if the shirt is straight, you know it's not straight. So the person stands like this. Then the shirt is straight. He stands like this. The shirt is not straight. He stands like this. And then, do you think... Huh? Do you think someone is going to refer you like that? No matter how hard you pray. That's why you see that after a while, some people close shop. Sorry, I'm using Taylor's as example. It's what just comes to my head on time. It's, it's nothing... I don't have any... We don't have any fight before now. Right? After a while, those people close shop. Why did they close shop? The slack hand will become poor. You sell things for people. The things are not good. You know it's not good. You intentionally pack it and put it under. In your mind, you are wise. That wisdom. Hmm? How many of you have bought things from people and you told yourself, this is the last time I will buy from this person? Uh-huh. Negligence. He, that person is on his way to poverty. If you like, keep saying, I don't care if nobody buys from me. You know God does not use a goosey. So, it, God will not come and buy from you. People, 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 listen. Give, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shake it together, running over. Shall God do what? Cause who? Men. God does not walk apart from men. God will not use your bono. So if you, if you are negligent and say bad things to people, you will soon close shop. So your goal this year is that your work should be perfect. Aim for perfection. Let me read some scriptures to you. Look at Daniel chapter 6 verse 4. I'm going to just read two scriptures very quickly and then our time is really gone. Are, 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 you, are you learning something this morning? Daniel chapter 6 verse 4. Now, if you leave it here, don't go to Daniel's, Daniel 1. But if you look at verse 1, uh, 120 commissioners were, um, were picked to work with the king. 120. Pay attention to that number. 120. And out of the 120, three people were picked to govern the region, of which Daniel was one of them. Now look at this, Daniel 6.4. Then the commissioners and the satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel. Regarding government affairs. That means 120 people 
were looking for fault in Daniel's life. That's why I say pay attention to that number. 120. We're finding something wrong with one man. Regarding government affairs. Okay. So this was not just his business. But they could find no ground of accusation. No ground of accusation, number one. Number two, no evidence of corruption. Inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. This, this, is, this is almost an impossible standard. Old Testament without the Holy Spirit. 120 people could not find negligence with Daniel. 120 people. If they unleash two people on you, or if they unleash two people on you, listen, I'm not talking about corruption. I'm talking about negligence. The scripture says there was no, neg- they could not find one negligence. In fact, go to the next verse. Verse 5. Then this man said, we will not find any ground of accusation against Daniel unless we find him against him with regard to the law of God. 120 people. This one is not, Father, all the enemies I have, knowingly are known. No, no, no. This one are known enemies. Everybody in your workplace is finding fault with you. Will they find fault? We're not even talking of corruption because there are, there are, there are Christians who still steal company money. We're not even talking of you because you are not, you are not here. Hmm? That justifies stealing. Justifies falsifying of figures. And see, we need a radical change in our nation. Because some of us that were taught handwork, we were taught stealing as part of the, the secret of the trade. That in this work, when you go to market, buy fake, buy original. Then you mix it. Say that is how we make it. So you were, you were, you were, you, you were skillful, skillfully taught as a thief, prepared to rob other people of their hand in money as part of the secret of the trade. And you have decided also to pass that secret. So we have generations of thieves. And they say it's the secret. Somebody say if you don't do it like that, you will not make money. That's where the problem is. So how comfortable are you selling things that will kill other people? And you are rich. And your conscience is that way. Hmm? We define negligence. In this part of the world, if you ask someone for receipts, they will get angry. Say, is it because you don't trust me? What is it? How much is it? In fact, I'll pay you back your money. We always react with anger to accountability. Once you tell somebody, oh, you've gone to the market, can I have an account? It's correct. Can you imagine? Imagine, 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 imagine that. Imagine what a whole me. How much did he even give me? 200. In fact, I will pay him that much. No, now. Just give accounts. It's, it's standard practice to be accountable. And how do you learn it from returning people's change? <laughs> don't pay yourself. Sir, you don't know the son that I checked. I'm say we spent everything. No, 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 no. You are on your way to that negligence. You're, you're, not, you're, not, you're not doing it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I know you feel that the man has money, but be accountable. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? Be accountable. Even to your husband, return some of our chains. <laughs> it's not that we want the money. We are just training you for your company. It's not that. It's not. What are we doing with the money? <laughs> Do you understand? But practice diligence. Have your records kept. Have your things done properly. You see, one of the things that we also talk about buying things in developed countries and not buying, it's just simple. It's accountability, diligence, and responsibility. You buy something from them, they find fault with it, they, they will take it back gladly, engage you. Here, something leaves the store. The person is telling you, there's no guarantee, oh, they hear me now, we don't collect things back, oh. I mean, it's like from day one, it's telling you, whatever you see, take it. It looks like wisdom, but it's foolishness. 
You go home, discover some parts are missing. And we celebrate these people as wealthy people. Why is it that with all the millionaires we have in this country, not one book is written about how they made their wealth? All the financial books all of us are reading. You know how Bill Gates made his money? You know how Americans made their money? Your uncle. You don't know how he made his money. But to God be the glory. We don't want to take any glory for ourselves. That's why we don't write our history. Because there's nothing to write. And you must not be an example of that. Your wealth should be explainable to your children. Are you sharing what I'm saying? You should be able to sit your children down and say, this is how I made money. It's not every time money should come up. We say we give all the glory to God. No. I am the Lord that God that gives the power to get wealth. That power must have an earthly expression. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, go and read the case of Daniel. Will they find negligence in your job? You have to find tune your work. Let's look at Second Chronicles two eight, and then uh, give you four points, and then we'll wrap up. Second Chronicles two eight. This is what it means to stand before kings and not mere men. The Sidonians could cut timber. Sorry, sorry. Okay, yeah. Second Chronicles two eight is fine. It's the same scripture. But even if you go to no, no. Second, uh, go to First Kings five six. Second Chronicles two eight is correct. But I want us to read First Kings five six. So write those scriptures too, together. Now, therefore, command that they cut cedars for me from Lebanon. This was seen Solomon speaking. And my servants will be your servants, and I will pay you wages for your servants according to whatever you say. For you know that there is none among us who are skilled to cut timber like the Sidonians. Can you see what it means? To st- they, they, their skill only was to cut timbers. And he said, no one. And King Solomon said, whatever you name, we will pay. That's what excellence does to you. When you increase your value, you will increase your wages. You are as poor as what you bring to your workplace. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are as poor as what you bring to your workplace. This year, determine that you bring something different to your workspace. Leave the habit of last year alone. Your company did not send you for training. Take some of the money that you've been paid over time and train yourself. It's for your good. A day will come when that company in code that does not value you, someone else somewhere will pay you what you are truly worth. But if that day comes and there's nothing built, there'll be nothing to pay for. I tell pastors all the time, be excellent. Don't just come to the pulpit and shout. I say you will make it. In January, you will make it. I say February, will make it. April will not be over until you make it. Matt, you can as well just say, for this year, you'll make it. It covers the 12 months. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Excellence will open doors for you. Whether you are a man or a woman has nothing to do with this. Be good at what you do. Be good at what you do. When Mrs. Dora was the head of NAVDAC, did we all know that there was something called NAVDAC? Since she passed on, do you know who is there now? In fact, when you mention her name, NAVDAC will come up. So it's not the organization. It's who was occupying the role. I mean, with due respect to whoever is there. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? That role you are occupying, how effective are you? Set global standards for yourself. And let's close here. There are three standards in this world. There are local standards... There are global standards and there's biblical standard. Now, biblical standard is that you walk as unto the Lord. That means whatever work you are doing, you do it like you're working for God. You do it like Jesus is your supervisor. Are you still here? Now, global standard simply means that whatever work you're doing, you do it in such a way that if anybody from anywhere comes to check your job, it will pass through. Local standard is what you have been doing. Set global standards for yourself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Set, what did I say? Set global standards. Whatever you are doing, ask yourself, what are the best practices 
in this. And you know, by nature, or by environment, I'll say by nature, not by nature, by environment, which is by nature, we don't like anywhere people put standards. There is a reaction we have in this part of the world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? For example, if we just say, this is church, so I think everybody will, will not have a problem with that. But let's say maybe this was a public event. We just say, please, on your way out, everybody ensure we queue. You know people will just get angry. Queue for what now? Queue for what? Are we children? Did we, I mean, just... So why are you angry? It's because you are used to disorder. Huh? You're just used to disorder. So there's something in you that when order is coming into place, that demonic, black... Caused spirit of chaos starts, start, and immediately, and what you will know is that immediately you cause disorder. You will see your family, brethren, will join you. Everywhere will be scattered. Even in church, sometimes we like disorder. You know, some people come to our church and say, I don't really like the church. It's so, so quiet. Because, you know, where the presence of God is, as they are singing, let's carry chairs. Let's hit each other with chairs. The power of God is moving. We don't even know what we're doing. You know, almost something close to demonic manifestation. Because if it is spiritual, it must be confusing. You go home today and put a standard on your life that you will not come down from. You do your things properly. Whether anybody is watching or not, you do your things to standard. Get your life to the best possible way it can be. Don't sell yourself to mediocrity. If everybody around you decides to live local standards, walk away and set the higher standard for yourself. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for today. Lord, we look at the example of Daniel and we see an example held for us in scriptures that we should attain to. And Lord, we pray that areas in our jobs where we've failed, where we've been negligent, where we've been corrupt, where we've not been faithful, where we've not discharged our duties, well, we just pray that you would forgive us. Give us another chance, Father God, to approach our job with excellence and diligence. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.